you can do something like that. So, hey, I think I want to do software to solve health problems. And that's why I decided to leave practice and try pursue further studies. But I then went to a boot camp, a one-year program to train as a software engineer. Then here I am doing my master's as well. So uh, before talking more about you and uh, the work that you're doing, I just want to tell about my sponsor for this episode. Sure. So which, which is Start Adam. Sales and customer facing teams often switch between several communication tools causing time management and visibility issues that can slow down deal velocity. The solution is Start Adam, where conversation starts. With, uh, with Start Adam, uh, your team can centralize all communications within your chat tool. No more switching, waiting, or fragmented chat. Because chat messaging is where business gets done. Sales team can stay in Slack or Microsoft Teams and connect with customers, leads, or candidates on their existing chat tool, building better relationships, their constant communication in inbound and outbound messaging. Make it encrypted and uh, complain. Plus, bring all communications into your CRM or ticketing system. No data entry required. Join StartAdam to enhance customer relationships and close deals at hyperspeed with unified chat. Thank you uh, again uh, for being on my show. You're welcome. Yeah. So, uh, uh, right now, uh, what exactly you do? Software engineering projects or uh, teaching? Yeah, so on a day-to-day basis, I'm more focused on building the curriculum and optimizing the curriculum for the students who are taking our software engineering program. So, yeah, that's, for instance, coming next year, we are introducing new programs. So I'm currently developing the curriculum itself, the content, the projects that the students will be doing, assignment, and also testing it. We have an automated system that checks the students' code when they submit their project. So making sure that every one of the projects that I'm creating, I have created the checks for it and testing them out to make sure they are working and all. Yeah, so that's on a day-to-day basis, that's what I do. So what technology uh, services and tools you, that you have used? With the tech stack, so primarily I use the main stack, primarily. But then with our students, we also teach them Python. So I tend to use Python. Previously, we were teaching them with Flux, but now we are switching to Django. So the new set of projects that I'm creating, we are creating projects with Django. Then also a huge part of our software engineering program is on C. So a lot of C related stuff as well. So uh, mainly uh, this is about educated uh, education and tech. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, how many people are using this application? I mean, we're we have quite a lot of students. <laughs> we have quite a lot of students. I think that the last time that we checked on the platform itself with the number of students, there's a lot, I mean, over 300,000 students. But yeah, so we, we have our students in cohort basis, right? So it depends on the cohort. Sometimes you have a cohort of more than 10,000 people, some are less, some are more. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of people. So coming from a pharmacy background and uh, becoming a technologist, so how how that transformation happen? Yeah, I feel that there's a lot of knowledge that I acquired in pharmacy that is equally applicable in my role or even in any field, especially when it comes to tech, like one of the key things that I was taught as a pharmacist, to be an outstanding pharmacist, you need to be a lifelong learner. And I find that to be true as a software engineer as well. Because every single day, new technologies are being released. I need to keep updating my knowledge. Hey, 
tomorrow, for instance, we are working with React.js. We are teaching React.js, and it keeps advancing. And now we are looking at, okay, a new version has come. The old version, these things have been deprecated. You need to increase or change the curriculum to suit this and that. So that is some of the thing that the experience from pharmacy helps me with this. The other thing too is pharmacy school in itself was a lot challenging. There was a lot to learn and all the like. And it's kind of built me for software engineering. So I feel that having really gone so far, even though I'm not hearing the health, I'm not hearing about medications and the likes, but it still feels like the same thing. And besides, I'm thinking about how to build software to solve health problems. So I don't seem far away from where I started. I said that now the conversation is more about technology and the use of technology. Even in class, we are always talking about how to build systems to solve health problems. How do you identify health problems and make sure the systems that are in place right now, what can you do to improve upon it? And you're looking at the technology aspect of that. So I kind of, it's, it's like the same thing, even though they are different. Yeah, for me, at least. So uh, what content do you create as a content creator? I, I create a lot of different types of content. So I started off back in I started off back in 2014. That's where I started putting content on the internet, and that was when I was preparing to go to pharmacy school. At the time, I was creating more of news content, trying to. That was the first time learning content creation. But over time, I transitioned to creating fictional stories. So I was I used to write fiction and entertaining content. Then I transitioned to writing for my first startup when I was in pharmacy school. I created a startup for student entrepreneurship to help students advertise their products and things like that. Also, let the world hear about them and the like. So I created content for about student entrepreneurship. I was writing articles on how to create a business as a student. I was recording videos like that where going around interviewing student entrepreneurs. Then after that, I think in 2020, I started creating health-related content. Being a pharmacist, it was easy for me to write things, explain things in uh, health, right? And it turns out that a lot of people also liked it. And over time, I had mastered the SEO game. So I started getting a lot of traction to my site. I, I built that blog up to about... 40,000 views per month and that that was pretty insane for me with knowing that I was competing with very big health blogs even though I was just an individual who was running that uh, platform. Then last year I transitioned into writing tech related content so I write articles on tutorials and also create YouTube videos explaining programming concepts I've recorded courses before in terms of tech-related courses and using various technologies like using WordPress to build applications and sometimes also things around writing, technical writing, to also share my experience with others. Currently, more of pushing the idea of learning in public because that's what I've been doing in the past one year and I've seen a lot of advantages so i'm trying to push as much as possible for people especially my audience to get into learning in public because it comes with all of these benefits so technically or i'd say that now my focus primary focus is on writing tech related content in fact i was just writing i'm writing an article to be published on free code camp and before i jumped onto this course so that is what i do now so, as a software engineer, uh, engineer, what kind of projects you did? I mean, I've done a couple of projects. Currently, I'm working on one freelance gig. We are building an e-commerce platform for it's, it's the team is in Nigeria, and I am on as a freelancer to help them build their back end, and that's one of them that we are doing. Back in pharmacy school, I built what we call the 
Farm e-library. So I built a platform for our learners to have access to the learning materials that they easily need or when you come to school afresh, where seniors can also put their content there for you to access. And over time, a couple of others, like my startup had to build a platform for, it was more of a marketplace where the student entrepreneurs will market their products and we advertise it to the various campuses for people to purchase it. I built some, yeah, student management applications as well. And the most, one software that I built that's really made me convinced I wanted to do software engineering was I built a pharmacy management application and that is currently being used in a couple of pharmacies in Ghana and that gave me quite a good sum of money so it convinced me to want to do software engineering full time yeah so uh, the application that uh, uh, that is working and helping uh, students to learn and uh, uh, what kind of functionalities that you have put in it? Are you referring to the application the that our students use right now? The, yeah, the project that you have done. Which is oh, to okay, okay, the okay. Learning okay. Platform. Yeah. So back back then, with the pharmacy e-library, is that what you are referring to? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so with that, it was more of, it was it was more of static content that we have loaded onto the platform. So essentially, all you needed is to have access to it, and you can click through. Know if you are in first year, you have that for first year. You have all the lessons in first year, so you can get all the handouts, assignments, the past questions, things that your senior colleagues want to share with you are all there. You can have access to it. So it wasn't really a robust application like that, but something with starter content that the students can get access to. So uh, you also said uh, you are a AWS solutions architect. Yeah. Yeah. I think last, so in 2021, that's when I made the decision to stop practicing pharmacy. That was around October 2021. And right afterwards, I applied to AWS Restart program, which is a three-month AWS program to train you in the fundamentals. So I wrote, I sat for their first certification, the yeah, essential fundamentals of AWS. I sat for that. Then last year in August, I sat for the solutions architect. So I, I actually do a lot on, but not, that's not the role I do, but on my own, my projects that I work on. Like right now, the article I'm writing for Free Code Camp, I'm writing about using AWS EC2 and how to connect a domain name to it. And I, so these are things that I do. And even for the projects I'm currently working on as a backend, therefore, I'm hosting it on AWS using their services too. On the side, I used my knowledge in AWS to assist in various projects, but I haven't pursued it as an independent career. I just felt that it was a good to know skill for me. And in case I wanted to go and become a cloud engineer, which I think is a nice one that I like doing, I would pursue it. Yeah. Uh, you did the certification? Yeah, I did the certification last year. Okay, so uh, how was it? How was that test? I mean, the, it, it was good. I think the first one, the foundations, forgotten how they call it. Is it essential or something? That was that was quite challenging for me because that was, at the time, it was totally new and I didn't know anything about cloud. And there are a lot of technologies. <laughs> it, AWS has a lot of technologies like, what what I know to be called virtual machine, they will call it EC2, but like different, different technologies. So it was, it took some time getting used to these technologies. But fortunately for me, I got a free voucher even before I finished my training. So I decided to take a leap of faith and write the certification exam and see. 
and I wrote it. It was quite challenging, but I passed. So when I sat for the next one, it was relatively easy. So for the same foundations, I've forgotten how they call it, but they are fundamentals. When I sat for it, I sat for it twice. So the second time, it was way better, way easier than it was previously. Then for the solutions architect, before I wrote the solutions architect, I did a lot of practice. In fact, at the time, I was even streaming on Twitch my study sessions. So I was practicing and taking a lot of courses, doing some architecting on their services. So when I went to sit in that particular certification exam, it was more practical knowledge that I was using to answer the questions. So it went a long way to help me. It eased the stress about the exams. So I feel that if if you have like domain knowledge, you've already been experimenting with them, it's easier because a lot of the questions are practical. If you are going to do this, 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 what should you consider? Or like practical questions. So if it is something you've been playing around with, it's easier for you to score it. And for me, it happens to be that way because I had practiced a couple of times. And I keep using it. So hopefully one of these days I may. I This year I actually wanted to write that for Google, their cloud engineer certification, but I didn't get the time. So along the line, I'm sure uh, I'll probably go take that. So it's a foundational and associate level and expert level. Yeah, so they have the, yeah, I think they call it professional yeah, level. Professional. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so have you done uh, uh, projects uh, which needs uh, solutions and tech work? <sighs> For now, I said no, not really, because, I mean, almost all the time, I'm the one who is thinking, like, for instance, this project, the e-commerce platform that we are working on, I have to think through what's the best way to host this application, so which of the services should I use, and you have to consider all of those availability, security, and all of those things, right? So... Even though it isn't playing out as, oh, you're architecting a solution, because this is a small project, like it's not a large scale. So if it's large scale, then you know that, yeah, we are really architecting solutions for these things. But even on a smaller scale, I mean, almost every time you are trying to set up an application, especially when you are not using serverless, like you have to think through and see, okay, how am I going to implement this? And... Like on smaller scales, I think that's what I've been doing. Okay, and uh, uh, you are alumni at uh, Alexa Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell more about it? Yeah. So ALS Africa, that's where I actually work now, but the company is now called Sand Technologies. So ALS Africa, it's the edtech part of it, focused on software engineering. So that's where I took my one year software engineering training program. So just as I mentioned, I was a self-taught developer prior to even going to do cloud and coming here to ALS. But the ALS program is a one year long software engineering program that requires students to put in a minimum of 70 hours a week, very intense program. And what we did there, we did more of C programming, so low-level programming for the first couple of months, like the first six months, you learn C and build stuff with C. So, like, we, we created our own basic shell project. We created custom functions in C and created some basic programming language like we call the Monty bytecode language and the likes. Then from there we did Python and we learned Flux with Python, right? Then we went on to JavaScript and HTML CSS, did some projects. I think the highlights, the major projects that we did was Airbnb clone. Then you had to do three months 
specialization. So I specialize in backend. So we did a lot of backend related stuff, learning about caching and authentication, authorization, and all the in-memory caching, like those stuff. So yeah, that's it about ALS Africa. And yeah, the experience was really awesome. I got to meet a lot of people in that's when I when I started it, that's when I started learning in public and I got a lot of people connecting with me, networking with me, and it opened up a lot of doors. In fact, it was true that, that I got a couple of freelance gigs that I took. So it was it was quite a good experience for me personally. Okay. And uh uh, uh for our pharmacist software engineer, content creator, solutions architect. So how all these people are in you? <laughs> yeah, I feel that at one point in time in my life, I may have to drop some of those titles. But for now, I don't practice as a pharmacist. Except that I was once a pharmacist. And I mean, I still know my medicines. So, hey... That is it, but I don't actively practice as a pharmacist. But being a content creator, whether in pharmacy or in software engineering, I still create content. So anytime, any day, I'm happy to write something, whether it's health-related, tech-related, motivational. I, I feel that I like to inspire people, and especially things that I wish I had, when I started, almost any time when I'm going through something, I feel this is difficult. I know that there are a thousand other people that will be struggling with it. And as soon as I figure it out, I want to put something, whether it's a video, whether it's an article, do something that will guide the next set of people who will be taking it so that it feels easier for them to get through it. So that's why I do the content creation. But the AWS part, being a solutions architect, it also augments my role as a software engineer, such that any team I'm on, if we need to do something with cloud, I fully understand it. I can easily integrate or build a solution for us. So I think for now, being a software engineer, solutions architect, and content creator, they are all complementary and they help each other. But being a pharmacist on the side, knowing very well that one of my biggest goals in life is to be able to solve some of the pertinent health problems that Africans face. I'm happy to, I, I like the fact that I have background in health and now I can think about what technology can we build to solve those problems. So as an architect, uh, uh, how, what kind of problems that you can solve and how many services you know in AWS? I mean, I know about a lot of their services. I've I've learned about almost all their services. I can't say all because AWS has several services, right? If you mention any of the services, it's more likely I know about it. Maybe I haven't used it before, but then I know that this is this. This can be used for that, right? But the basic ones that you need, especially for hosting applications, that I know I've used them to deploy various applications before I've experienced working with them. So yeah, if if it comes to hey, how do I host this thing on AWS? I think that I'm able to or you want to see how I want to be using AWS, but how do I go about it, cutting down costs? How do I ensure security? How do I ensure that my system is durable or is very reliable? All of those, I can, like, I have good understanding of them to architect solutions like that for you. But if you are looking at, say, you want to do some ML machine learning projects on AWS and the likes, those ones, I know the services, these services exist for these things, but I haven't used them before. So if I, I learn very fast too. So if it comes to a point in time where I'm supposed to take up a new project and say, hey, our team wants to implement an ML project on AWS, I'm happy to take it up, take a week or two to learn what needs to be learned to be able to deploy that. So what what is your present projects? Currently, I'll say the 
the freelance gig that I'm working on as a back-end dev, but we, we are looking at trying to finalize it in the course of this break. But aside that, every other thing is more of building and testing what I'm going to be teaching. So going to teach, for instance, we are teaching React.js next month. That means that you have to plan out what project you want the learners to build. And before you even deploy that, you have to build it and test your checks to make sure that everything works. So that's what I'm working on as well. But work, we are on break now until next month. So I'm taking a break from work. But personally, I was working on a startup this year that is more of solving a health health-related problem, which is more of the chronic diseases and accessibility to care and the like. But I had to take a pause on it because I, I, I'm learning new set of things that I think I need to rethink the whole idea of how I'm solving the problem and figure out the best way to solve it. So that is on pause now, and hopefully next year I would be working on something relating to that. The other thing right now is I, I like teaching and content creation. So I'm also trying to partner a team called Learning Bits. And currently we are creating a bootcamp that we're launching next year, January, to be teaching basic programming skills. So working on the content. And it's not just content. Anytime we are thinking about creating programming-related projects, you have to build the project yourself and make sure that this thing is functional. So we are using it to teach the students and asking them to do similar thing, you know that it works. So that's what I am working on. You are from? I'm from Ghana originally. Like that's where I'm from, but I'm not there now. Yeah. So right now you live in? I, I live in Canada, Toronto to be specific. That's where I am. I'm doing my master's here in University of Toronto. So that's where I am now. So how is working uh, uh, for, with different countries? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite an experience. So I started working when I was in Ghana with a team. And the team that I work with is all over the world. We have some from Silicon Valley, as I mentioned earlier. There are some who are in France. There are some in Canada, Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Tanzania. So all over the place with different time zones, right? But then the team is an async team. So they all appreciate that we are not in the same time zone. And on our calendars, you can see that this person's work time is between this time and that time. So if you want to reach the person, you should know when to reach the person. When I was in Ghana, it was easy because we were like the central part of every other time zone. So it was easy to catch everybody uh, before I close. But now, by the time I start work, my teammates from Kenya are probably closing, right? But the team is quite flexible in terms of how it operates. We only have one general meeting per week. So... Mostly, it happens to be the morning for me. I just have to attend it. There are times that some meetings are a bit inconvenient, that you have to wake up way earlier to attend, but then those are rarely the case. So once in a while when they happen, we just do it. Aside that, I mean, it's very flexible. You are working remotely. You get the opportunity to set up and work the time that is most convenient to you. I think for my team, what they are more interested in is the results. So we are supposed to be doing this. Are you able to do it and deliver without excuses? I think that's what they are most interested in. And so far, the experience has been great for me. So uh, what do you write in your blog? I have multiple blogs. Interesting. (laughs) So I have a technical blog on Hashnode where I write about various topics like tech-related topics. 
So I've written about some Python related, some C programming related, Linux, some AWS, all of that. Then I have a blog on Medium where I usually write about my experiences, especially when I was going through the ALS software engineering program. I was writing about my experiences and how others can also leverage the lessons that I've learned to succeed in the program. And yeah, more of motivation there. Then I had my personal website where I used to write a lot, but recently I straightened it up. I was writing my reflections, what I think, because I do deep thinking in a lot of things to what my perception is about something and challenging my thoughts or common beliefs and things. So those reflections, I post them to my personal website. Great. So uh, at last, what do you say about, what is your observation about my work? Have you seen any videos of mine on YouTube? Yeah, I mean, when when you reached out to me, I tried to search what what you were referring to because I didn't I didn't know. Because when you said interview, I wanted to know what what it meant. Yeah, and I think I think it's great, and I've seen a lot of people also commend you on that, which is really good. Personally, I'm a fan of content creation in several forms, so being able to speak to people and learn from different perspectives, I think it goes a long way. And for me as well, like speaking to people is one thing I enjoy doing, trying to understand them and all of that. So yeah, kudos. Yeah, you're doing a great job. And I think that you should keep it up. Yeah, maybe today it isn't as big as you wish it to be, but just keep going. Hopefully, Tomorrow, the switch turns on and everybody finds it useful. But hey, I mean, when I saw it, I was personally inspired because I've been thinking about oh, wanting to start a podcast and wondering how to go about it. So when I saw it, I was like, huh, this is really a good idea. Talking to as many people as possible. Yeah, yeah. So give it up. Uh, I did uh, master's in software engineering, also bachelor's oh. in computer science and engineering. Right now, I'm uh, I'm doing uh, some DevOps engineering projects, cloud DevOps engineering projects for a UK wow. and a US company. So, uh, uh, by profession, I'm an engineer, DevOps wow. engineer. So that's wow. my full-time job. Apart from that, I'm interviewing people like you who are already into technology and working in different projects and who are from different parts of the world. Not only technology people, people uh, who belong to police department, who are authors, psychologists, doctors. I'm interviewing all kinds of people from all places in the world. I interview a lot of solutions architects, also uh, CEOs, founders, directors, communication leaders. Uh, also, I interviewed uh, uh, the vice president of Amazon Web Services. Wow. Uh, so I've interviewed more than 700 people in the last three years. Oh my, I'm 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 a bit curious right now. Like, what's the motivation for you? So, uh, when after completion of my masters, uh, uh, I was preparing for the PhD entrance exam. So, I want to do PhD uh, research work. So, in that process, I was studying subject called computer networks, where uh, the computers are interconnected with each other and information transfer is happening between computers through routers or uh, technology mediums devices so understanding this i i want uh, i i try to uh, think more like wh- what made human to uh, create this technology transferring information from one place to another place this communication system in the technology mm-hmm. so i thought uh, this thought came for human by understanding humans and human relations and communication between uh, human beings from different places. So uh, the real thing he wants to put in the virtual world. So uh, I I thought to understand the real people more Mm. from different places and trying to create a, uh, relating that computer network with the human network. I created a Mm. human network. 
so i'm just uh, uh i also interviewed people who works in nasa wow uh, so wow. i just try to understand what technology services and tools they use in the space technology to solve problems so i i just want to understand i think uh, more than technology i think i need to understand communication so communication yeah. is technology yeah i, I mean that's that's really powerful knowing that once you connect various computers they become so powerful and to the extent that we have the internet and the internet is so powerful what can happen if humans are that connected like i mean that's that's really great and i mean out of curiosity you say you've been doing it for 3 years so when you started off and up to now this is forgive me as if i'm coming to interview but i'm i'm just interested in how it turns out you've been doing this what what has the experience been like for you for these past 3 years that you've been interviewing people or the yeah. highlights for you yeah i interviewed more than 100 countries mm. professionals from germany uk us canada european countries stands so asian countries i interviewed different age group people and also who are not in technology and uh, i i tried to be neutral or uh, I, i was not being judgmental i just uh, i'm just curious uh, how different people think and mm. how different people solve the problems because i the common thing is all are human beings uh, they speak different kind of english and uh, yeah. they they have different backgrounds i interviewed people who don't have technology background but uh, become uh, experts in technology and who i know people who has a, a continuous uh, technology background and uh, there are philosophical thinkers people uh, who see technology in a philosophical way psychology background people who comes into the technology the leaders how they manage business how they maintain teams and uh, how they do projects and uh, how they market their uh, business so it's not one particular subject that i have uh, tried to understood i try to understood I, i try to know anything that i want to know at that point of time i'm just curious so this made a lot of people to come to my show this is something my there is a lot of diversity in my show yeah, yeah. Uh, so i want to like completely go uh, different uh, you know wh- what i have learned yesterday i want to learn something else today mm. so tomorrow something else so going like different colors i want to see different subjects Mm. so learn uh, all kinds of colors and how this can make a you know i want to make it as a rainbow all the colors all kinds of uh, thought processes trying to understand and yeah this is this is something that that is a constant learning process mm. i my target is to interview 4000 people coming days wow Wow, wow. Yeah, I mean, that that's really inspiring for me because I've been in my own head trying to figure out I want to start a podcast. Who do I interview? How do I get these people? And so all of a sudden when I came across your content when you reached out and I saw like okay, so now when you are telling me all of these and how you've been able to successfully interview all of these people It's like saying to me that oh all the things that you think were challenging there's actually a possibility it is possible you can do it so that's quite an inspiring story for me and what have you learned about the approach of reaching out to people because i know i'm i'm a huge introvert but then doing this online stuff creating content has helped me bridge the gap a bit but i still struggle with going out to reach to out to someone and say hey can i like the way you reach out and say oh, can can we do an interview together like i struggle to do something like that unless if i know that oh 
I have something to offer to the person. That's how I perceive things. So I'm wondering, like, what's the motivation when you are reaching out to? Maybe now you've done it over. You say you've interviewed over 700 people, so you've done it over time. It has become easy for you. But take me to when you started. How was it? And how did you? If there was that challenge, how did you overcome it? Because that's what I'm struggling with. In fact, I've been planning my podcast ever since. But I'm always wondering because I don't want to start tomorrow and end it uh, the day after because I didn't have enough guests. So in my head, I've not been able to figure out how I'm going to get past the first 10 people. Maybe I know only 10 people in my circle. But now, maybe as at last year, you didn't know me. But today we are here having this conversation. So how has it been like with you? Oh, a lot of people I interviewed who are from Microsoft, Google, or Netflix, or from the top technology companies. One thing that uh, they gave me compliment is, you are an engineer, you are a software engineer. Not all the software engineering people that uh, that are connected with computers are not good with the people. Mm. They are not good speakers. They are not... Yeah. Their job is to not to talk to people. But yeah. you are doing something which is not your job. Mm. So the toughest job in the world is talking with people. Mm. It's easy mm. to talk with computers because you know what happens yeah. if you yeah. say something to the computer. So communicating with computer is uh, different from communicating with people because it's, it's not an easy job for a lot of people, but it naturally I have a leadership quality. Uh, qualities and leadership skills since my childhood i was in sports mm. like i was engaging with people it, it it became a natural thing for me to uh to talk to people and to know what they think and uh, i know how to talk i know how to approach and uh, i uh, i know how to tell them what i want to do so i, I that and I, there, there was struggle in the beginning days like for 30, 40 interviews, it's, it was not easy. Not many people are showing interest to come mm. to my show because they don't know. I, even I don't have clarity what I'm going to uh, do. So mm. before this, I was a blogger. I have a, a, a three, two to three blogs where I oh, used okay. to write technology co- content. When I was mm. preparing for my PhD entrance, all those subjects I was uh, preparing at the same time, I want to write it so that I can mm-hmm. remember all yeah. the topics. So I used to write, 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 and then my writing skills become very good. And uh, I I understood a lot of terminology uh, uh, and the meanings of a lot of words. Then I understood I can able to understand any word that are that are coming. So I thought this is the time to come and show my face and directly communicate. So this blogging is something that only your uh, uh, the, the, the written thing talks that that will communicate. But mm. I thought I should uh, speak now because this is another skill, uh, yeah. speaking skill. So I decided to do it. And because of the previous experience, the writing experience I have, it became very easier for me to uh, use uh, exact words for the situation and for the topic that I'm talking with the guest. Mm. So mm. it makes them feel so comfortable and uh, they, it makes them to understand very easily what I'm saying. So it mm. no matter with some what they what accent they are and what uh uh what what uh, uh you know country they are yeah so mm. i made it uh i made a lot of my guests are very happy and wants to come to my show again again yeah i mean coming here i i didn't think about how inspired this how this is going to inspire me but now i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about it, i'm like okay yeah like this inspires me a lot. You don't know how much clarity this has brought to me because I've been in my head thinking about this, but I'm planning out my 2024 and I'm thinking about, yes, I've I've been able to improve my communication skills by recording videos and the likes, but I want to get far better. Like I want to be able to speak very well on camera and the likes. And one of the ways I want to be able to do that is hosting a podcast. And I've ever thought about hosting a video podcast but who to come and interview so now that i'm listening to all of these and having the goal that oh you want to interview four thousand people i'm like okay 
maybe that that would be a challenge for me into 2024, possibly be inspired by the work you are doing. And tomorrow I wake up and I say, yeah, I'm inspired and I'm going to start interview. If I'm starting thinking about, oh, maybe I'm here, like right now I'm in Canada, I can literally walk around to various software engineering companies and see if I get people to interview or talk to them about their day-to-day work and learn a thing or two just as you are doing. It, it inspires me a lot. Thank you so much for what you are doing. Definitely. Uh, can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your comments? Yeah, sure. You can. And let me know when you do it so that I can share it with my audience as well. Definitely. Can I also put this uh, audio and video clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media? You can. With your <laughs> yeah, you can. And uh, can you share your blogs to my podcast listeners so that they can learn uh, from what you're writing or what you're sharing? Yeah. So, wait. With hash node is blog.ehoniaobed.com. That's my full name, .com. So blog.ehoniaobed.com. With my personal blog where I write the reflections is ehoniaobed.com. Then on medium, medium medium.com at ehoniaobed. So yeah, that's where I can be found with my content. I'll share the web links in the description also on my website, people. And also... On the screen as well, people who find our video on YouTube can able to see and uh, can able to learn from you. Sure, sure, sure. And uh, 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 as I said, my sponsor, uh, you know, it's a communication tool. So as a technology expert, if you can give a review about it, that will that 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 means a lot to me. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'll share it. Uh, you know, after this conversation. All right, sure. Thank you very much again for your time. Yeah, thank you too for inviting me and inspiring me to go take a look at my podcast. Thank you. Definitely, you will find a lot of videos, uh, uh, AWS content and uh, experts, technology experts from Microsoft, cloud experts, Mm -hmm. uh, software engineers, software developers, and uh, uh, entrepreneurs, CEOs, founders, PTOs. Mm -hmm. All kind of, almost I try to interview uh, all the departments in technology. Nice. That's really nice. Thank you again for your time. All right. Thank you too. Bye. Bye.